uh, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Dear God, we just uh, come before you uh, today, and we just thank you, God, for another day that you have given to each of us, Lord, to draw breath and to glorify you, to honor you, to learn about you. And so, God, I pray that today, the words that you've laid upon my heart, Lord, may they be your words and not my words. God, I pray that you would, um, God, that you would just seal up whatever is true, seal it up in our hearts, whatever is false, just let it fall by the wayside. But God, I just pray right now that your name would be honored, that you would be glorified, and ultimately everything that we say and do here today points back to who you are and what you want to do in our lives. And so God, uh, open up our ears that we may hear what it is that you have to say to us this morning. We just thank you and praise you for that. Amen. Amen. So we're in the middle of a Read Your Bible series, all right? And if you've joined us at all for the last few years, you know, or several years, I should say, you know that we do this series every single summer, all right? It is like clockwork, all right? If you go to Journey, you know we're going to do a Read Your Bible series. And we do the Read Your Bible series, why? You should know it by now. We want you to... See, you guys already understand why we do this series. So every year we pick a different book, um, and uh, we, we pick different speakers. And as Punxsutawney Phil told us last week, uh, if you were here, yeah, good old Randy, he, he related himself to the groundhog that reveals himself once a year. We don't just have Randy preach once a year because of, we want him to have an obligatory speech, all right? So we, we have other preachers, other speakers purposely come in on this series for a very intentional purpose. And that's because every single one of us in this room are different. All right, we come to the scriptures with a different approach. We come to the scriptures with a different understanding. We come to the scriptures with a different background. And we want you to know that just as speakers, just as pastors and presenters, we all look at it differently too. And so sometimes we can get this idea that, oh, we can't ever really study the Bible on our own because we're not, we're not trained in it. We're not a pastor. And so we do that on purpose. We want you guys to see different perspectives each and every single summer. And then we also pick different books every single summer, right? This year we happen to choose the Psalms. And then if you've been here long enough too, you also know that Jim DeSico always provides us with, a, with a, um, a Bible study guide as well. He wrote another one this year. You should have received it in your email. If you didn't receive it in your email, that means we don't have your email. You need to fill out a little connection card at the New to Journey table or see us at the at uh, Coffee with Pastors, a little plug for that afterwards. But it means we don't have your email, so, but we send that out. But Jim writes that for us every year because his gift is writing and researching. He's, he's a scholar in that way. So we greatly appreciate the work that Jim does for us in this series as well. And we hope that you guys are using those tools and those resources to read your Bible because that's ultimately what this is all about. We want you to be reading your Bible because as we read and we study the Bible, uh, it's important to understand that it's not one, one type isn't more holy than another. If you're more scholarly in your work, it doesn't mean you're more holy than the one who maybe just opens up the Bible and points, all right? That's, there might be nuances to each one of those, but it doesn't make one person more holy than another. It makes one person maybe a little more studious than the other. But what really it comes down to is, are we studying the scriptures to know who Jesus is? Do we know the character of God? We can't say that we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind if we don't know what he wrote. So we've got to be reading this thing. We've got to, if we want to know who God is, if we want to know his character, then we must dig into it. We must read it for ourselves so that we know, do we really love who he says he is? All right, so that's there for you to read and, and or understand because he gave it to us. We want to read that. We should want to read that. So Chris kicked this off. 
uh, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I don't even know, lost track of time. But anyways, he kicked us off with a great series on an overview, and then he talked about the praise psalms. But I want to go back and just kind of highlight, and, and I'll have to be honest, I've learned a lot through this series, and you'll understand why in a moment, but I just want to take us back to some of the overview principles that um, Chris shared with us during that time. So what are the psalms? They're a collection of lyrical poems, all right? There's, it's a poetry book, and if you know anything about the scriptures or studied them too much, there's a category in the scriptures that are called poetry. The psalms are one of them. Uh, they're a composite work, right? And that means there's multiple authors who have contributed to the psalms. David wrote many, Moses wrote many, Ezra wrote many, and we even have some who we don't exactly have their names who wrote them, but they're key influential leaders in the communal element of, of praise and worship uh, with the nation of Israel. And so they were probably Levitical priests uh, and that, so on and so forth. But they're a composite work of all of that. All right. So when were they written? Over 1,200 years. So the Psalms that we have, or it's called the Psalter, it's kind of like the hymn book, so to speak, was written from 1500 to 300 B.C. All right? And so a 1,200-year span, all these different authors put it together, and we know we have this because the Bible is one of the most archaeologically accurate books in the history of mankind. We could go back and study what was original in the original documents because we have some of the original documents. We, it is the most accurately recorded archaeological book in the history of the world. Even if you just want to stun, study the Bible from that perspective and throw out all God and supernatural, it's still an amazing book. So we know that from, from history and what we find in all of, our, um, all of our manuscripts. Keep going. So why do we spend time with them? Because it's a picture of the human experience. And uh, this is what I kind of struggle with with the Psalms. It's, it kind of really shows the emotion of, of humans. Um, but it really is. It's a picture of what humans uh, engage in, and, and it writes out, woe is me, and a lot of the laments, as we're going to talk about them here uh, in a moment, but it is really a true picture of how we relate with life, and you can go through and read it all. Uh, it's poetry, so it's a form of art that stirs emotion. Now, if you're anything like me, um, and, and you'll hear in a moment, I'll just get it out of the way, Psalms are not my favorite book of the Bible, all right? Just, just take it from there. You guys can hate me later. I don't really care, um, but the art... I'm that guy, you go into the art museum, it's like, wow, that's really pretty. And then you're standing beside the person like, wow, that is a masterpiece. Look at the, I was like, I don't have a clue what you see in that. Like that just doesn't move me at all, but I'm glad it moves you. And it's a beautiful form of art, Um, but not everybody gets it, right? And so that's kind of, if you, if you struggle with the Psalms, maybe it's because it's a form of art, right? And so, um, but it was also organizing it's an organized form of worship, right? So they, they would come together as a communal group and they would sing through the psalms, right? And they would sing these many of the psalms as, as hymns and songs. And so there's an element of that. Even when we go through the lament psalms here in a moment, there are individual laments and there are, and there are um, communal laments. But it's all because of this idea of organized worship. It's just what we're doing right now. We just sang songs together. Those are, those are our new psalms. And so if you read and you watch the songs that we sing, a lot of times the songs that we sing are very much written like the psalms. They're just modern day psalms, all right? Keep going. So the types of psalms that we see are, um, and I, I don't know if you know this word or not, but I learned it last week. And I'll have a confession. You're going to hear a lot of confessions today. I didn't know that word, all right? I, I don't really study the psalms. Um, I didn't know there were differences. I didn't even know all the categories of the Psalms. I'm going to be really honest. Like, I didn't know that there was imprecatory Psalms. I didn't know that there were royal Psalms. Um, I knew that there were lament Psalms. I knew that there were wisdom Psalms. I knew that there were praise Psalms. Okay? 
But those are the, some of the categories of the psalms that we have. And if you don't know what imprecatory or royal psalms are, you've got to go back and listen to last week's sermon, right, Randy? You did a phenomenal job. So you've got to go back and listen to it. Um, so what, are the, what we're going to talk about here today are the lament psalms. But before we get into that, um, we just have to, we have to understand that when we read the psalms, not all of them fall into the same category. And some of the psalms actually intermingle and they go into, they fall into different multiple categories. And so the more you understand it, the better you can actually study the psalms, all right? But that's the same way in all of the scripture. Like when you go through all the scripture, it's important to know like who was it written to, why was it written, all those uh, um, background information pieces that maybe you don't necessarily understand the moment you just pick up the Bible, all right? And there are as a literary work of art, there's a lot more going on here than just, than just it's a bunch of words on, on pages, okay? So if you weren't here the last couple weeks, I encourage you to go back, listen to Chris's uh, opening. He, he went into great, a lot more detail than what I just did on the review there. Uh, he talked about the praise psalms and, and how even how a lot of the laments that we are going to be talking about move into praise. Um, and then last week, Randy, Pastor Randy, talked about our imprecatory psalms and royal psalms, did a phenomenal job. I learned a lot through there. Confession number one, um, I, I don't know a lot about the Psalms, all right? It's just the way it works. Uh, I've learned a lot through the series. I hope that you guys have too. But I also have another confession. The Psalms aren't my favorite book of the Bible. A lot of times you'll hear me get up here and say, this is one of my favorite. You're not going to hear that today. I just love the Bible. The Bible is one of my favorite books. But uh, when, I, when, I heard, when we chose the series, um, when we picked out what book we were going to go through and read your Bible, uh, and I'm part of this decision-making process, all right? Uh, I was not excited that we chose Psalms. I'm like, oh, my word. All right, God. Yes, I'm excited about that one. Um, and I, don't judge me. You guys all have that book in the Bible that, that you don't like. It's that one where it's like, oh, I'm reading through the Bible. Oh, shoot, I miss Chronicles. Oh, that's all right. I'll pick up later. All right, we all have that book, all right? It's, just, it's a thing, like... And so I actually asked Matt to let me preach on the Lament Psalms. I purposely asked for those. Why? Because they're the, my least favorite Psalms, all right? It's a lot of whining and woe is me's and all that crap, and, and I just don't enjoy it. It's like, just suck it up. Good Lord, you're a warrior. You kill thousands. How could you be that miserable? It just doesn't measure up, and a lot of my aversion to the Psalms really just has to do with my personality, all right? And God bless you that you have to put up with me. Um, just forgive me for it, all right? I was raised military, all right? I didn't even realize how messed up I was until I got older, all right? And so I just was taught not to have the emotions. Like, that just wasn't what you do. You have to compartmentalize all that stuff, or, or you get messed up in the head, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I messed it up in the head more. I don't really know. But you just got to work with it. So those are my aversions. It's personality. But you want to know what? I can't let my personality dictate what I do with the Word of God. I can't tell God, hey God, I, I really don't like what you wrote about emotions. So I'm just going to bypass this one. No, I asked Matt, I said, Matt, I really need to do this. Because I knew in my mind, I don't deal well with grief. I don't deal well with lamenting. So I wanted to purposely preach on it because I want God to I want God to teach me something to it. So it's the same with you. So whatever your whatever book of the Bible maybe that you kind of you don't like, I, I challenge you wrestle with it. Like Chris and Randy, they talked about the fact that we need to go to people that maybe know more than us and and ask them questions. And and that's what I did. I researched. I went to people that did that knew more about 
what I know about the Psalms. I had to do a lot of research this week, and I'm going to save you a lot of that time. I'm going to share you a little bit of what I learned. Um, but I had to do a lot of that because it's just not one of those books that I studied a lot. But then the other thing I really challenge you to do, in addition to asking for help, is wrestle through reading your Bible on your own. Like, wrestle through those moments of aversion, like, I just don't understand it, like, I don't get it. I don't, when I pick it up, I don't even remember what I read. Like, I don't even understand why I even do this. Why do I even go through the motions of this? Okay? I get that. And that's why I chose the Lament Psalms. Because I want you to understand, just because we get up here and preach every single Sunday, just because this is what we get paid to do, it doesn't mean that we are removed from the same human emotions that you go through when you read the scriptures, right? So, I invite you today, all right? I invite you today to join me on my journey of studying the Psalms, all right? And so where he studied the Lament Psalms, I'm not going to bore you with every rabbit hole that I went down this week, all right? I'm going to share with you the highlights of my research. Um, but there, I learned a lot about the Lament Psalms, things I didn't know. Some of you probably already knew all these things. I am now catching up 48 years later. All right, so let's jump into the Psalms, figure out what we learned. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's more Lament Psalms than any other type of Psalm that's in the Scriptures, right? or in the, in the Psalms. Uh, they comprise, the Lament Psalms comprise over a third of the Psalms. Also helps me understand why I feel like all the Psalms get lumped into lamenting, because I've probably read those third and been like, ah, get over it, right? So that it comprises a third of them. But what does God say about emotions, all right? So if it's, if it's in a third of the Psalms, dealing with our emotions, dealing with the way that we lament, dealing with grief is pretty important to God. So if it's, a, if it's a third of the Psalms, I probably should spend some time researching that. What's he really got to say about it? So that's kind of the way that I, I, I researched that and looked at that. In fact, most scholars agree that there are 42 individual laments and 16 communal laments, all right? So there's, if you do your math, that's about 50, what is that, 68, yeah, no, 58, sorry, 58 different verses that are part of the laments, or books, chapters that are part of the lament psalms. That's a lot. So when we read them, how do we interact with them? And so I did a little bit more research to find out, okay, what are the different types of laments? The communal laments have more to do with uh, when the nation of Israel came together. And so that communal lament was something that we do corporately as a body, all right? And so when I was uh, studying this week, um, I actually had, uh, it's, it's crazy to me, um, before, yeah, I'll just, I'll get to that one now, but um, there are the individual and the communal laments, all right? And those are the two different types of laments that we have. But this week, and I don't know if this is how God works in your life and your devotional life or not, but it's how God always manifests himself to me especially when I'm preaching on something, but a lot of times even just in my own personal devotions, during the week, there'll be something that happens that affirms whatever it is that he's teaching me. There's something during the week where I'll, I'll read something or I'll watch something or I'll hear something or I'll meet someone that affirms what I'm learning about. And so this week, my daughter Kayla and I, we were buying an outboard motor for a boat or whatever. And so we go to meet this guy that we met on OfferUp, and I go down there and meet him and buy in the boat, and obviously when we start talking, he's not from America. 
And so me, always, I love meeting people from other countries, and so I started asking him questions, find out where he's from. And so he's from the Ukraine, and so then I started asking him what his story is. And uh, he goes, oh, it's a long, long story, and my daughters always tell me, don't do the accent, Dad, you are terrible at it. All right, I'll try to avoid the accent. All right, so he's from the Ukraine, and uh, I love being an idiot, but that's okay. Uh, and I just have to do it once, girls. I just, I'm going to have to. Um, and so he, he was starting to talk about his his long story, and, and I, I just kept asking him questions, and he had escaped back in 1989. And uh, he was, and during him telling his long story, he said, he, he's, he alluded to this idea of religious persecution, and so obviously I'm picking up on it, and I'm like, so tell me about that religious persecution. Are you Christian? And he goes, oh yes, I am Christian. And he said, and people today, they don't understand, they, they know not the freedom America have, and there, there it is. I get it out of me. All right, all right. So anyways, his, his English is a little broken, but I love the Ukrainian accent, and so he's like, nobody understands the threat of communism, and, and he was talking about the freedoms that he didn't have, and he says, KGB come to me at gun, gunpoint, and he said, I give, and they, they promised, he was a cobbler, and he promised that they would give him a house if he would give up being a Christian, and he said, I point my finger back at KGB, I say, I not give up Christian for 100 houses, um, and so, and then he said, and I told KGB one more thing. He says, you see, God deliver me from your hands one day. And then he went on and he continued to uh, be a Ukrainian citizen. And he talked about all the uh, Ukrainian soldiers that are being killed by the Russians and all that good stuff in the communistic regime. And then uh, we had a moment of communal lament. And so um, as I'm sitting there and standing there, I shared with them, you know, I was raised by a dad who was a major in the Air Force and a fighter pilot and was serving during the Cold War. And we had a little bit of a little bonding moment from two brothers in Christ who didn't like the communist regime. And it was really awesome. And then God said, that's a communal lament, Donnie. It's not about being emotional. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And so when, so in, in the moment, I'm like, oh, so God literally laid down in my heart. He said, Donnie, communal lament, it isn't about emotion. Go to the next slide here. It isn't about emotion. It's about posture. It isn't about emotion. It's about our posture. You see, when we grieve, when we lament before God, it's not about, I mean, we all have different types of emotions. Some weep, some wail, some cry out in anger, some get on their knees, some fall prostrate, some hold their hands and fists up for God. Those are all forms of emotion. But it, it really isn't about the emotion, it's about the posture. What are we bringing to God? It's about bringing our laments to God. And then the beautiful thing about the communal lament that me and the guy's name was Vitaly, by the way. And the beautiful thing about what Vitaly did, he goes, and then as I live in America, he's like, I can experience all the freedoms. He said, someone come and steal all my paperwork. And so he said, I had to go back to the Ukraine and get all my paperwork signed again. This was fast forward from 1989 to 2004. He said, in 2004, I have to go back over to Ukraine and get, the, get my paperwork stamped again. He says, and I go back over, and same KGB agent has now worked up the ladder, and he has to stamp my paper. Yeah, it gets better, because we're talking about praising Jesus, right? We're no longer wallowing around. KGB agent stamps his papers, gives them back, and says, God bless you, Vitaly. That is how we lament in the, world, in the realm of God's world, right? And so this all happens on Monday, and I'm like, I got my servant illustration. <laughs> Praise Jesus. 
All right, so it isn't about emotions, it's about posture. It's about what do we bring to God? What are we, what are we laying down and bringing to the feet of God? You see, an individual laments are just like the communal laments. laments all right, communal is more than one person, individual is you before God. And the individual laments are the same way. It's, it's your posture before God. What are you bringing to him? And so as I was preparing this message, uh, I came across another resource. It's called the Christian Resource Institute. And so if you're anything like me, I always research. When I find a resource on the internet, I don't trust anybody. Sorry. But then I have to, then I have to find out, okay, who's the author of this website? And then I go and research that author. And then I go find out what are his credentials. Where's that person coming from? He or she, it doesn't really matter. I go and research, okay, what are their credentials? What are they writing about? So I researched the research and... Find a, found out I could trust them. All right, so anyways, I tell you that because I want you to know that I'm not just giving you people that I don't trust, but the guy that uh, wrote this information, he's got his PhD in Old Testament studies, uh, and then come to find out he pretty much stole all of his stuff from other people that I study as well. So that's pretty much how it works in theological studies and, and scholars. We all just steal from everybody uh, anyways, but why do I tell you this? Because I want to make sure, number one, I believe it's imperative that when you take things from people, you give them credit because it was their work. I didn't do any of it. I took it off their website. The second thing is, I also want you to know that it's important for you to research who you're listening to. Because everybody that we listen to, uh, and I get it, you come in here today, and, you, and you're, there's an automatic level of trust. Now, whether or not you trust me or not, that, that's not, it's neither here nor there. But coming to a church you submit and surrender a level of trust because that's your church. And oftentimes the reason why people leave church is because there's that trust is broken. There's something that's broken and they leave, right? That's just the nature of what happens. And so it's important for us to realize when we're researching and studying the scriptures, we know where those people's biases are when we're studying underneath of them. Because everybody has a bias. Even the most objective person in this world has a bias. And so the the guys that I kind of read this week, I'll just give you their names, you can look them up later if you even care, are Vesterman, Van Geerman, and Brachter. They're all German, I probably just slaughtered their names, sorry guys, uh, I don't even know if you're alive. But um, anyways, it's their research, and they all agreed on the same stuff. So I figured if they all agree on the same stuff, I can pretty much put it in my words, but it's all their work, all right? And so when we study the Lament Psalms, all the Lament Psalms, based upon these guys' works, uh, follow a pattern of six different points in the laments, all right? And so I want to give you what you will see. Whenever you read a lament psalm, you'll find these six things, all right? There'll be an address to God. Now, some of them go in this exact order. Not all of them go in this exact order, but you will find all six of these components in every psalm of lament. There's an address to God. They will make a complaint. The author will make a complaint. They'll affirm their trust in God. Then they'll make a petition. Usually, uh, I didn't find any exceptions to this rule, but I'll give myself some level of, of freedom. Um, Every one that I read, the petition uh, always goes along with the complaint. Uh, then there's an acknowledgement of God's work in the psalm, uh, and then we go back to praise and praising God for who he is, just like me and Vitaly did while we were standing on his, uh, his doorstep there. So you'll find all six of these things in the Lament Psalms. There's 58 of them, and these are the six components that you'll find in all 58 of those Lament Psalms. Now, on the research Christian Research Institute, you can go look this up. It's the, the website is uh, www.crivoice.org. All right, and you can forward slash psalm types, and you'll get this next chart. All right, so what I loved about this website is they broke down all the psalms for me. 
I didn't have to go do the work. I didn't have to find the 58. They found them for me. All right? And it breaks it down. It tells you the lament psalms, the specialized lament psalms, which, Randy, did you know they have imprecatory laments? Yeah, I didn't know. And they have the Thanksgiving psalms, the specialized Thanksgiving psalms, the hymn. It breaks it down and breaks down all the psalms. You don't have to do any of the work. It's fantastic. If you like to do the work, go for it. It was a lot of work. All right. So when I looked at this chart, then I'm like, oh, I'm going to start reading through. What are the differences? Can I, can I as a non-psalmist reader, can I identify what they're seeing when they call it a communi- communal and an individual lament? And so I started researching all those, read them in multiple different translations. Um, and it, I picked two, uh, not because of anything special other than the fact that I could clearly see these six elements being in each one of them. They're really easy to understand, and they're only six and eight verses long. So it worked out well in my little ADD brain. All right, so, uh, so I chose these two, next two passages. There's a lot of them you can choose from. Some of them are much longer than others. But I want to take a moment today and I want, us to, I want us to read through the different psalms. I want us to read through a lament. I want us to read through an individual lament. I want us to read through a communal lament. And I want you to see how I processed, I processed it. Not because my way is any better, but I understand that sometimes we need, we need to see these different perspectives to know, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Like, I need to have different, we need to see this modeled. And so this is literally the way in which I've been uh, preparing the sermon this week, all right? Everything that I just talked about, it's been the process. And if you want to know which translations I use, um, for studying purposes, I use the HCSB. It's the Holman Christian Study Bible. I believe, according to the research that I've done, the Holman Christian Study Bible is one of the most accurate English translations that we have in accordance with the archaeological evidences that we find. So I like the Holman Christian Study Bible for that. Uh, for personal reading, I do the NIV. Why? Because that's what I grew up on. It's easy to read, I understand it, I like it, uh, and I like the NIV. But um, if I really don't understand a passage, then I'll pick up the NLT because it really kind of dumbs it down a little bit and I can like, oh, that's what the author is trying to say. So that's my process. So I read the Psalms and all those different translations and other ones. Um, There's a myriad of resources out there for you guys. If you want to study, if you really want to dig in and you want to figure out how to do more scholarly work in your studying, just let me know. We'd we'd love to be able to show you what are the different resources that are out there for you guys, Uh, because there's a a plethora of them. All right, and so the lament psalms that I I chose today are, the first one is Psalm 13, 1 through 6, all right? Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6, and this is an individual lament, and this is, um, and you're going to be able to see uh, how the author here uh, was very emotionally distraught, right? Lord, there's that address, right? So I want you to think through the six points um, that I just gave you that are in every lament. See if you can pick them out. Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? All right, so these are, these are his complaints against God, right? We all have complaints against God. If you don't, um, maybe you haven't prayed to him recently. All right, so consider me and answer, Lord my God. Wow, that's bold. Answer me, God. I mean, how, when we go to God, do we expect to be answered? You know, that's one of the things that we can see in all the Psalms. There's an expectation. When you go to God, he's going to answer. Now, we may not always like the answer, but God will always answer. And then the request, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. I'm going to die. 
very filled full of emotion. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Keep going. But I have trusted in your faithful love. See, there's an affirmation of trust. You see how all six of these elements, it's really why I chose this passage because it, it's really pretty obvious. Works out well for my, you ever, side note, you ever in high, in high school and you're, you go to literature class and the teacher's like, what did the author mean when he said, and then you, you raise your hand or they call on you because you don't raise your hand. And they're like, what is, Donnie, what is, and I tell them and they're like, no, that's not what he meant. I'm like, well then, why did he ask me? That's what I got out of it. And so I choose easy ones because I don't really know. Like, just say what you mean. That's not what art does, all right? So anyway, you got to like, I don't know what the author meant, but he said, my heart will rejoice in you. I get that. God, if you deliver me, I will rejoice. Perfect. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Perfectly understandable. I love that, all right? Keep going. Or is that the last one? I think that was verse six. Nope, that was verse six. So you see those six components in that short little chapter right there. All right, go back to the six points there. Yep, you had it right. The address to God, he made a complaint. There's an affirmation of trust. There's a petition, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. There's an acknowledgement of God's work and what God has already done. Oftentimes, that, oftentimes this acknowledgement is combined with the affirmation of trust uh, in several of, the, several of the other laments that I read. And then there's always a blessing and a praise, a praise going back to God. I'm going to sing about this, Lord. I'm going to sing about your generosity. And you'll see this in every single one of the laments. And so the, the, the manner in which I go through these laments, all right, I like the word soap. All right? If you've been here long enough, you've, you've heard us, if you've heard any of our Read Your Bible series, we talk about the soap process. And I believe we stole that from um, uh, the Hawaiian guy down in... Wayne Cadero, I believe he's the one that came up with that. So then we soap through the scriptures. Go ahead and put soap up there. The S-O-A-P. So this is scripture, observation, application, prayer. And so the scripture was obviously pretty easy. Uh, Psalm 13, verses 1 to 6. So we read the scripture. Then the observation is everything that, uh, that I did before I ever got there. I went through and I studied what are the different types of psalms. I observed what kind of a psalm am I even reading. Um, some of the observation things that you can do when you read other different books is who's it written to? Why was it written? Um, the, one of the things you can do in the Psalms is why was it written? Do we know who the author was and what was going on in the author's life when he or she, is all he's, when he wrote that Psalm, right? So there's an observation point. Then there's an application. When I get to this point uh, of applying this passage right here uh, in Psalm 13, the observation is the author of this Psalm is complaining about how life isn't fair, right? All of us in this room could talk about how life isn't fair. Trials and tribulations come our way. We know what it's like to have a part of life when life isn't fair, right? It's part of life. And then the application is pretty simple in, in, in my brain uh, when I read this passage. The application is simple. Lord God, my life isn't fair, and I give it to you. That's my prayer. So then I jump immediately to my prayer. It's like, God, Take this element, whatever, whatever part of my life I'm feeling like um, is out of order or it's not measuring up to my expectations, it's not what I think God should be doing, I give that to him and then I ask God, take this from me and let me see what it is that you're doing in my life. And that would be the, applica that would be the prayer and the application uh, in this. For me, all right, 
you might get an entirely different application out of that because your experience in life might be way worse right now. There could be all kinds of things happening in your life right now. Your, your relationship to the author of this psalm in the application part could be like, oh man, I know exactly what he's experiencing. I've felt like I'm getting betrayed at work left and right. I'm getting betrayed at home. I'm, I have all kinds of things in my life that aren't going well right now. The application could mean something entirely different to you. And that's where we take that word, but we just need to make sure that whatever we're applying is in line with what the scripture is actually saying. All right? So that's part of this, this, that's part of this individual lament. And you could go through all the different ones. I encourage you to go to that website, find all the different laments, and go through them and, and read. Like what how did the how did the authors of the Psalms deal with their emotions? How did they petition God? How did they position themselves before God in their moments of despair, in their moments of need? That's what the Psalms are all about. It's that picture of the human experience like Chris was talking about in the first series. All right? So then I want to jump to the, the second type of lament. The second type of a lament is a communal psalm. And I'm gonna, I chose uh, Psalm 12, I believe, on this one. Yeah, Psalm 12, verses 1 through 8. Uh, and this, is, this would have been read in the corporate body of believers, of, of the nation of Israel, all right? And so this is kind of like it would be us, and we're all lamenting what the author here is lamenting. It says, Help, O Lord, for no faithful one remains. Now, that's a little extreme, but as you read the Psalms, it's, it's always written in extremes. The loyal have dis- disappeared from the human race. All right? That means that no one, is, no one left. No one left is loyal. Everyone's bad. Everyone's horrible. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. Keep going. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, though our tongue, through our tongues we have power, our lips are our own, who can be our master? Kind of sounds a lot like today's modern day uh, social media. All right, keep going. Because of the oppression of the afflicted and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. The Lord is actually answering back. He hears the cry of the people, and now the Lord is answering his people back, just like he would answer us back. He says, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will put the one who longs for it in a safe place. The one, not the nation, the one who is seeking me, I will hear his prayer. Keep going. The words of the Lord are pure. Now this is the author talking back to God. Thank you, Lord, for your words. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, you will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked wander everywhere, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. Now, I picked this particular one because it didn't end on praise, all right? It ended back with the lament, all right? He went back to how the wicked are everywhere and the wicked are exalted, all right? And the, the last lament in this ended with um, how, how we see, why is it that the wicked people always get all the praise? Why is it the wicked always get all the honor and the glory? And that's really what this psalm was saying right here. And so as we soap through this passage of Scripture, we see the same thing happen that we saw in the other one, the same six points, the praise, the, the trust, the admonition before God, the complaint, and the request, right? And so when we look at this, when we look at this passage, how do, we, how do we apply that to us? 
How do we apply that to journey? How do we apply that to the way that we view the church? And when I say the church, I'm talking about the, the big C church, the body of ecclesia, right? And so we observe the nation is, is going before God saying, Lord, the corruption is too much. They're oppressing the innocent. They're oppressing your people. How long, oh God, are you going to remain silent? And that was really the request that was going before him. And so uh, the application in my mind was, is really pretty easy. It actually took me right back to, to Vitaly. Uh, when I look at this passage, the way that I applied it to my life um, is that when Vitaly and I were standing there talking, I really do lament the condition of our society. I really do lament the current ignorance and naivety of the worldviews that it seems that people are adopting right now. I really do lament our ambivalence towards history and researching how uh, different regimes and agendas take over countries and nations. And yet I know that God is still in control. And just like with Vitaly, he rejoiced in the fact that he got to go back and receive from the KGB agent that piece of paper and a blessing with God from the same KGB agent that was threatening him at gunpoint, then we can rejoice no matter how much oppression is in this world. And that's what I took from this. Like when I'm doing my studies, like that's how God works. And so I invited you in the beginning that you would join me with my studies this week, that the, you would join me in my experience. And I wanna tell you, it's not just my experience. We are, we are all down here on this earth in a sea of seven billion people. Seven billion. And yet God in his sovereignty can take a moment out of his day while I'm buying an outboard motor from a guy from the Ukraine and he can line it up with what I'm preaching on this week? I'm not that special. But I want to tell you something. We're all that special. Because we all serve the same God. And if you dig into his word, if you dive into it, if you study this like you want to understand it with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, God's going to do the same thing in your world. He will affirm what you're studying. He will affirm what you're learning. He will speak to you in amazing ways. Because when you come to God, you come to him with a posture of submission. And you've got to teach me. I'm yours. I'm giving you my emotions. I'm giving you my laments. I'm giving you everything, God. And then watch what God is going to do. He will blow your mind how he orchestrates the universe to speak to you on a Monday afternoon. It's fascinating to me. And the most fascinating of all is he does it over and over and over again. And I promise you, he will do it in your life. That's the kind of God that we serve. Yeah, amen. So I challenge you today. I'm going to leave you with one last challenge, okay? I want you to write your own lament. This week, take time and write your own lament. All right, so I I'm going to close today on my own lament, all right? So you get, I, I ask you to join me on my own lament, uh, or on my journey through the Psalms of Lament this week, so I'm going to, I'm going to end it with my lament.
here today. It's my prayer, but I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to have to read it. You can keep your eyes open. You can close your eyes. This is the prayer. I'm going to close it on this. Um, but I challenge you to do this on your own. Your lament is going to sound different than my lament. All right? Why? Because we're all different. What you're going through is different than what I'm going through. But we all have emotions. We all have a lament. In the Psalms, there are 58 of them. God values your lament. He wants to hear it, but he wants you to be in the right posture as we give it, give our request to him. So here's my final prayer here today. Dear God, you are holy, righteous, and just. You're omnipotent and omniscient. Your presence surrounds us today, and I am grieved by the overall condition of your church, the apathy that hinders, the entertainment that distracts, the faithlessness that renders powerless, the sin that deceives, the selfishness that permeates relationships, the illiteracy of your word, the form of righteousness but denial of your spirit's power. God, it grieves my soul. Yet you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your spirit lives inside of each of us who call upon your name. You are faithful in our faithlessness. You convict and you redeem. You are infinitely patient. And in you, O oh God, I place my trust. Father, Son, and Spirit, stir our hearts today. Turn our hearts from entertainment to focus upon you. Stir our apathetic minds and lives to action. Renew our faith in your amazing power. Remove the blinders of the deceit of selfishness from our eyes. Create a hunger for your word and an understanding through your spirit. Spirit, O oh God, fall upon us today. Stir our soul that we may know your power. God, you are at work. You are stirring your church across the world. Thank you for who you are and what you are doing. Forgive me for my finite understanding of your sovereignty. Teach me your ways each day and show me where I need to walk directly behind you. I praise you for you are truly the hope of the world. Open doors that we may lead others to you. Amen.